Take your Bibles this evening and turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We'll begin reading in verse 15. Mark chapter 5 verse 15 says, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they saw that, and they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. They began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to, uh, to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done uh, for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel." Look back in verse 19, be our text. It says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Now You Have a Job to Do. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you be with us, Lord, in this service tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified and magnified. And, and Lord, the preaching of thy word, we thank you for the songs that lift you up, Lord, and Lord, I pray that our hearts were full and lifted you up, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this day that we celebrate our mothers. And, and Lord, we, we thank you for them, Lord. And I pray that you bless them in a special way on this Mother's Day. But Lord, I pray that you be tonight in these services. Speak to our hearts. Strengthen us. Guide us. Help us, Lord, to draw uh, from the Word of God. And help us, Lord, to see what you'd have us to understand, Lord, from the Word of God. That it might strengthen us to live for you in these days. Lord, I pray now that if there be someone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they too might receive Christ on this very day. We thank for the one that was saved today, Lord, and I pray that you just help him to grow in you and to put you first. These things we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. I know some of you are going to say, well, preacher, who was it got saved? Well, maybe I'll tell you, maybe I won't. Cal, did you receive Christ your Savior today? Yes. All right, Cal got saved. Uh, I told uh, Elaine, I said, that's, that's the best Mother's Day gift you can get, amen? And have your son get saved. We find here, and if you go back, and we didn't read the whole chapter because of time there, but if you go back and you find that Jesus comes into the capitalist there, he gets out of the boat and he steps on shore there, well, there's a man. The Gadarenes there, the Gadarenes had a, a set of tombs and and this man lived in these tombs uh, running back and forth, and uh, he was a wild man. He had demons that dwelled within him. In fact, the Bible says that the name of the, le uh, the demons was legion, meaning a multitude of demons that dwelt within this man. He run through these tombs uh, all the time, crying aloud and cutting himself. Many times the people would come out and they would try to put chains on him and and chain him up at, and to try to tame him and put fetters, which sometimes fetters were made out of, of leather and sometimes were even made out of brass. And uh, they would try to bind him so that they could tame him down to keep him from acting so wildly. But he would rip the chains apart. He would break the chains. He would break the fetters. And uh, he'd run through the, the tombs uh, 
naked, actually. He would rip his clothes off and run through there, the Bible says. Uh, he was a new dude in a, in a rude mood, amen? And, uh, but uh, the fact is, is that uh, he run wild through these tombs. And uh, the fact, <laughs> say, preacher, why'd you say that? It just came by, you got to grab them when they do, amen? No, I actually heard a man preach a, a, a message out of this. That was his title, a new dude in rude mood, amen? <laughs> now, there's nothing new in the sun, I'll tell you what. <laughs> now you got me messed up. I... <laughs> the fact is, is this man was wild. He was untamable. Until Jesus comes into the picture. And this is kind of, as Jesus comes into the picture, he... Uh, he sees this man, and this man comes, and he falls at his feet and begins to worship him. This is a man that has this legion of demons still in him. That'll tell you something about what Satan will have to do one day. He may thumb his nose at the Lord now. He may try to, to bring all kinds of accusations against you and I as Christians, but my friend, even one day, even the demons of hell will all fall upon their face and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Here this man falls on his face before the Lord and he begins to ask him, uh, the demons do, they, they begin to speak, say, let us, don't, you know, don't cast us out into the, in, back into the pits of hell, but let us go into these swine, 2,000 swine or so there. And he said, let us go into these swine. And so he let them do that and he cast them out and they went into the swine. The, the, the hogs run down, to, down through the, uh, uh, to the cliffs and went off the cliff into the ocean and died. Had a hog killing revival, amen? The fact is, is that uh, this man's life was changed when he met Jesus Christ. So we see here that uh, this man has come and, and the others, had the ones that was taking care of the, the, the hogs were watching too and that it, it just amazed them. They went back into town. They began to publish it and tell what had taken place and how that the swine had run off into the ocean and died. And this man had been changed. And people came out and they began to, to see what was going on, to see Jesus and to see this man. So we see, look back here and we see uh, the care of Jesus. In verse 15 again it says, And they come to Jesus, these are the people of the city, they come out to Jesus to see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they were afraid. But we see here the, the care of Jesus Christ. This man was running naked through the tombs, cutting himself and crying out. And now this, he'd become a changed man, one who now sits at the feet of Jesus. What a, you know, a changed life, a, a, what a change Jesus had made in this man's life. But my friend, I want you to know something. Every time that Jesus comes into the heart and life of anybody, there's a change. We find over in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's a change in a person's life when they receive Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean that they have to, that they was always steeped in terrible sin and all kinds of things like that, but there'll be a change in a person's life. There'll be that change. Has there been that change in your life since you met Jesus? Stop and think about, it. has there been a change in my life since I received Jesus Christ my Savior? You know, a lot of people can, can say that they know Christ as their Savior, but there's no change in their life. There should be a change in your life when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, before, uh, before Jesus, this man had no peace in his heart. He was running wild and, and, and through the tombs and, and screaming and hollering and cutting himself. Before uh, Jesus, this man had no right thinking. He, he did crazy things, uh, stripping himself of his clothes and, and, as I said, cutting himself and 
he, he, he didn't think right, but when he got saved, when he sat before Jesus, he was sitting in his right mind. Before Jesus, this man was a, was a danger to himself, trying to hurt himself, trying to do all kinds of crazy things. This man was controlled by another spirit. This man was abandoned by family and friends. Everyone had given up on him. They had turned their backs on him and thought that he, there's nothing we can do for this man. He's out in the tombs. We've tried everything we know to do. We've tried to, to bind him. We've tried to do all these things. The only things uh, that they could do for him was try to reform him. Hey, listen, there's a lot of uh, uh, people today are trying to reform people. I'm going to tell you something. Don't take reform. It takes Jesus Christ. That's what will change your life. I'm not against some of the reform programs that work with people and help people. I think it's good. But if you want your life changed, you're going to have to get a hold of Jesus Christ. We find there in Mark 5, verse 3 and 4, it says, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains, because that when they had, uh, when he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man, no, says, tame him, otherwise reform him. A lot of people today say, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to quit this. I'm going to quit that. I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to do all these things. Can I tell you something? The only thing that's going to change your life is Jesus Christ. I got saved. I'll never forget the next day after I got saved. I got saved when I was a sophomore in high school. And uh, like a lot of the other teenagers that I was around and uh, used the the dirty language and stuff like that and, and off-color jokes and everything that, that went with it before I got saved. And I went to church, but I was, wasn't saved. And I remember getting saved on that Wednesday night in the middle of May of 1975. The next day, of course, I played basketball. The next day we had uh, what we call seventh-hour basketball. It's where the basketball team, we got in an extra practice, you might say, and then after school, uh, we would continue on and have our, our regular two-hour basketball practice, so we got three hours of practice. Well, we had shooting drills at different goals and stuff, and, and we had partners, and my partner went to church with me. And I can remember the day after I got saved, going out into that, onto that court and, and standing there and, and shooting and, and then also rebounding for my friend, and he would shoot and so forth. And he, he missed some shots, and he let out some, some uh, 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 dirty language. And I looked at him. And I called him by name. I said, hey, listen, we're saved. We're not supposed to talk like that. We're not supposed to act like that. And boy, did he tear into me. But the day after I got saved, I knew that it wasn't right. I knew that there had to be a, a change in my life. There was something immediately in my life that says that's not right. There was a change. It's not like that I was out. I ne I, I've never been, a, I, I never drank. I never smoked. So I didn't have to struggle with those things, but my friend, there was other things in my life. And there was a change, an immediate change. I'm not saying that everything gets changed immediately. It doesn't. Over a period of time, there were some other things that changed in my life. And can I tell you something? God's still changing things in my life right now. Still working in my heart on a daily and weekly basis, changing things and trying to, to take a, an old crooked stick and make it straight trying to whittle away the knots in it, trying to get me smoothed out so that I can be used by Him. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a change in my life. I'm not what I was. I'm not what I ought to be, but my friend, I'm not what I was. There was a change that, that took place that night uh, in the middle of May of 1975. See, when it comes to Jesus, oh, I'll tell you 
tell you what, are you glad that Jesus came in? Are you glad that he comes in because he cares for you? He cared for this man. He made a change in his life. This man's cure was Jesus. Look in verse 6, it says, But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. When you truly see Jesus, it'll change your life. When you truly get, a, get a, in your heart and mind Jesus and who he is, and what he wants to do in your heart and life, it'll cure some things. It'll change some things. When you truly see him, it'll change your life. The change of religion won't cure you. They'll just bind you down with a new chain. You don't need religion. You need Jesus Christ. A lot of people today has got religion. A lot of people say, yeah, I'm okay. I go to church. I've been baptized or I've been this or I've been that. My friend, you don't need that. What you need is Jesus Christ as your Savior because religion just becomes another chain that the devil uses to bind you and keep you from living for the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need today is we need to be changed. We need that cure. Good works and deeds don't cure you of themselves. They're just another fetter. And it's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with good works and good deeds. They're good. But my friend, they won't cure your need. But when Jesus, when you see Jesus, it will get you out of the tombs. It will get you away from the death of this old world and its master. Let me tell you, whether you're lost or whether you're saved, Jesus is the cure. He's the Savior. He, he's the one that saves you from hell, but He's the one that will take care of your other needs in your life. Uh, and, and we find over in the psalmist, over in forty in Psalms 40 and verse 2, he says, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. I remember that night uh, when, he, when he saved my soul, there was a load that was lifted off of me. There was, a, there was something, and I know what it was. He lifted me up out of that miry clay and, and set my feet on that solid rock, which is Jesus Christ, and he established my goings. There was a change made from the old miry clay, that old pit that I was sinking down into, and he set me on that solid rock. My friend, I want you to know something. That Jesus Christ can cure what you have a need of. He can change your life. He can cure uh, the needs in your life. He'll meet the needs that you have. Hey, listen, Christian, he's the cure uh, for, uh, for the, the scourge and the discouragement of life. He's the peace and the calm in the storms of life. The psalmist said in Psalms 23 and verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, uh, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they come. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter whether it's what storm of life it is. He said that he would go with us through that valley of the shadow of death, the struggles the problems, the difficulties of life. He said, hey, listen, I'll never leave thee. I'll never forsake thee. I'm going to be there with you at all times. Doesn't matter what comes. Doesn't matter what man says. Doesn't matter what happens. He said, I'm going to be there for you. Can you say amen on that? Hey, he's good, isn't he, all the time. He's good. He's good. He's your rock. He's your shelter. The psalmist said in Psalm 61 too, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, I don't know if you've ever got out and did any mud. And I'll tell you what, when I was, when I was younger, we, before I got married, and you had to quit all that good stuff. <laughs> they delivered my four-wheel drive truck the next day after graduation. My friends we, and good friends I had and everything, that several of us, we had four-wheel drive. Living down there in southeast Missouri, and 
we lived more in the hills and the rivers and stuff like that, we, we took those trucks where you wouldn't want to take anything else. My uncle that just turned 99, that's down in the nursing home in Bolivar, he, he came in one time, this is several years ago, and I had that truck, and I said, hey, hop in the truck, let's go. And uh, he, he was talking about the truck, and I took him and my grandpa, and I went over to the river. I drove down to the river, and where the, 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 the river was, I took out into the river there a little ways and come back around. He thought, he, man, they said, you hung up out here. I said, just hang on. We went around, made some, a few turns and come like that. And where the bridge was up there, sitting up high, it went over the river like that. There was a, a real steep bank going up like that, and there's a, the guardrail ended right there. I thought, this will be fun. <clears throat> So away we went, up, up over the side of that thing, and out onto the highway. We went. <laughs> See, y'all don't know how to have fun. <laughs> we used to take those trucks. We'd take them out in the wintertime. The, the snow would get, we'd get those drifts. During that time of year, there, one year, we had those, those trucks out, and we'd, uh, we'd get back at, on snow drifts. Those drifts may be about that deep, and we'd just hit them just as hard as we could hit them and go just as far as we could. We'd get out. We hook a chain up and somebody else pull you out. <laughs> Next guy, he got hit it. He'd go just as far as he could go. Say, what do you do? You pulled him out too. You always wanted to be the last one. You get all the way through, amen? <laughs> we had all kinds of fun. But sometimes you get in a place, you'd spin your wheels. I see a lot of Christians spin their wheels, getting mired down. Many times what you got to do, we'd dig those trucks out so they'd come down and sit on something solid so we could get out of there. Can I tell you what's needed tonight in your life is for you to get on something solid? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Too many Christians are spinning their wheels. Do you ever feel like you're spinning your wheels? I'm talking about spiritually. I know we get that way about a lot of other things, but do you ever feel spiritually like you're spinning your wheels? What you need to do is you need to realize that, hey, listen, there's a rock that is higher than I. There's a rock that he wants to set you upon to establish your goings and to allow you to have that footing so that you can go on and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother when all others leave you. It doesn't matter whether it's a family or whether it's your friend. They go off and they leave you, but he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is your provider. He's your protector. You're your very present help in the time of need. He's your cure. Are you listening to me? He is what we need. The change was so great in this man's life. Now listen to this. This change was so great in this man's life that the people were afraid. Imagine that. They have been afraid of this man that's running around crazy in the tombs, cutting himself with such power that they would put chains on him and he would break the chains. He would break the fetters. He would cut himself. He was running wild. He's running naked. Hey, listen, he was, he was crazy. But now he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And the Bible says they were afraid of him. They were afraid. They were afraid of Jesus. They were afraid of what had taken place. They were afraid of what was going on in this man's life. Look at verse 15 and 16, 17 there. He says, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They were afraid. Verse 16 says, And they saw it, uh, and they that saw it told him how he befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they uh, began to pray him to depart out of their coast. They seen the change in this man. 
They seen this tremendous change. This wasn't just okay, he's got a, a better. No, this was a complete change from a, a wild, crazy man running in the tombs uh, uh, naked and, and cutting himself and screaming and hollering, untamable and, and wild. And now here he is sitting uh, with his arms crossed, looking uh, 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 completely different, got clothes on. He's in his right mind. He's talking like he ought to be talking. He's acting like he ought to be acting. And the people were afraid. Instead of rejoicing, instead of getting excited, can I tell you something? Listen, sometimes when people get saved, people don't get too excited about it. Sometimes they get afraid. This man got saved. This man's life was changed. These folks hadn't ever seen anything like this in the man, and they were afraid. The change stood out and was was convicting to them. Can I tell you something, Christian? Listen to me. When people begin to see the change in your life, it's going to bring conviction in their life. It's going to make some people afraid. It's going to cause them to, to want you to depart. It's going to cause them to want to, to say, no, I, I, I don't think I want anything to do with this. You see, the presence of the Lord was apparent in this man's life. It ought to be that way in your life and my life. When people look at us, they'll say, man, there's something different about them. They're, they know Jesus Christ. There's a, there's a change made in their life. And it ought to be apparent that you're saved. It ought to be apparent that, hey, listen, that you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ. The sad fact is that too many Christians today, you can't tell whether they're saved or whether they're not saved. There ought to be a difference. You say, well, preacher... They didn't want anything to do with him. I understand. You see, the unknown was disturbing to them. The unknown was disturbing to them. It bothered them. They seen a change that they couldn't explain. They had tried to tame this man. They had tried to bind this man. They had tried to, to do all kinds of things to, to get this man to change, and nothing worked. And now when they see him sitting in his right mind and clothed, it was disturbing unto him. Can I tell you tonight that when people see the change in your life, when they see the difference in your life as you grow in the Lord, and my friend, as you grow in the Lord, the change ought to become more apparent. As you grow in the Lord, people will begin to see it in a greater way. I, I, I know a man... Over in Boonville, when I was uh, when I was pastor over there, that was a member of a church over there. He was a police officer, and he was he was a tough cookie uh, in the day before. I didn't know him before he got saved. He got saved uh, right after, uh, probably before I came. But I, I knew people that knew him. And he just loved walking into some of those bars over there and just busting knuckles with everybody. He just loved straightening them out. He'd walk in as a different day when they could walk in and they was having trouble with him. He'd use his nightstick on him, man. He was just a tough, he wasn't a real big guy, but he, I'm telling you what, he was tough as nails. And he was just a, a rough fella. And, and after he got saved, I talked to some people and, and they found out that he was a member of our church. And they said, man, that man is different. That man has changed. And they could see the difference in his life. That man would go with me at times to, to knock on doors and tell people about Jesus Christ. And people would look at him and they knew they could see the change in his life. They knew that there was something different in his life. Can I tell you, the longer you live for Lord Jesus Christ, the greater the change should be apparent. 
the greater the, 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 uh, the realization in people's eyes that there's been a change in your life and that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that Jesus Christ is your Lord, should become apparent to everybody around you. It shouldn't have to be that somebody say, well, are you a Christian? No, they ought to know that you're a Christian. It ought to be that they ought to realize that you love the Lord. There shouldn't be a question. That instead of them saying, uh, could I invite you to church? They ought to be saying, where do you go to church at? I've been around a lot of people, and I, can I invite you? To, I'd like to invite you to come over to our church. And after being around them for maybe six months or, or longer, even, been around them for quite a while, didn't know, and I thought they wasn't even in church. Said, hey, I'd love to have you come pay us a visit. Oh, well, I, I go to such and such church. Or maybe even ask them, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? No, thinking in my mind that they're lost. Oh, no, I, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. My friend, it ought to be apparent by the way we conduct our lives. And when people look at us, there ought to be such a change in our lives like this man that becomes apparent. And sometimes, like I said, it's going to be disturbing unto those. The unknown was disturbing to them. Hey, people aren't always going to welcome you with open arms when you get Jesus and as your Savior. And as a Christian, listen, and you put Jesus Christ and things of God first. People aren't going to always just say, oh, I am so happy for you. I am so glad. Now they're going to look at you and say, what? You need to calm it down a little bit. My mom, I remember uh, before my mom got saved, we'd go over to my mom and dad's, and either one of them were, were saved, and we'd be there and had the TV playing. We'd take the girls over there. And they'd be the explicitives, the foul language would come on the TV. And I'd be, we'd be sitting there and trying to visit, and they had the TV running, and, and she'd even look at me. And I'd look at her. I'd look at mom. They didn't realize it. And finally, we'd just say, well, we got to go, and we, we'd leave. And when my mom found out why we was leaving a lot of times, because of the, the dirty language and this junk on the TV that we didn't want our girls to see, she was kind of offended. Well, I don't ever hear that on there. I said, Mom, you may not hear it, but it's there. And I remember after she got saved, she was at my sister's house. The kids were sitting there watching TV, my sister's kids. The stuff was going on TV, and she said, I can't believe that you're letting that play in this house. <laughs> and things begin to change. And she come to know Christ as her Savior. It becomes apparent in your life. But before that, my mom didn't quite understand why we went to church as much as we went. My mom didn't understand why we were so involved in, in the things of God like we were. My mom didn't understand the standards and the convictions that we had until after she got saved, until after she really was born again. You see, a lot of people may look at you and they may be disturbed because they see a change in your life, but they ought to see a change. They ought to see a difference. It ought to be apparent to them.
It ought to be something that, that helps them to, to realize that, hey, listen, there's been a change in their lives. It upset their hog business. It changed what had taken place. Sometimes uh, there's things that change in our lives that affects others. Sometimes because we have to come back and draw back from the things of this world, it may affect somebody else. And they may get upset about it. Now they were uncomfortable with this man and, and that had been changed because it challenged them about their change that needed to be made in their lives. They thought that they were pretty good because they didn't run naked through the tombs and crying and cutting themselves. You see, everybody, can I say something tonight? Everybody has some type of standard. Everybody has some type of standard. Do you know what their standard was? Well, we don't run through the, the tombs cutting ourselves and naked and, and crying and screaming and, and being wild. So, you know, we're okay. We're pretty good. But they'd never received Jesus. And when this man received Jesus Christ, it changed things. Now that something was disturbing him, now that it was bringing conviction into their heart and life. Many times when people buckle up against you, it's because of the conviction in their own life. It's because people look at, the, at your life and they're seeing the apparentness of Jesus Christ in your life. But you know what? Their lives were being challenged by the presence of Jesus Christ in a changed man. Can I say tonight that people's lives ought to be challenged by Jesus Christ in your life that's been changed by Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter who you are, there ought to be a, there ought to be a change so apparent that it challenges them concerning Jesus Christ. Over the years, I've watched young people that's got saved. I'm talking about kids, young kids. It's growing on and and you know, most, most, most little kids, they don't, they don't have any tack or anything like that. One of our girls, they would get in the car. And of course, you know, we didn't listen to the rock and roll music or music, bad music or what, or what we call bad music or all that stuff, whatever. They'd be in the car with my mom. She'd have the radio on. Grandma, that's bad. That's bad. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's bad, Grandma. And it would bother them. Just out of the mouth of babes. You see, sometimes our lives should have some salt to it that burns once in a while. I'm not saying that we're to be mean. I'm not saying that we're better than anybody else. We're not. My friend, I'll tell you what, our lives ought to salt down the lives of others. There ought to be something that disturbs people that aren't saved when they're around you for a while. Because of your love for Jesus Christ and your love for them. Not acting like you're better than them because you're not better. But you have the answers. There should be a, a, a difference in your life. They seen this man and they were disturbed. They seen this man and they were uh, uh, moved to, uh, to be afraid. You see, this man was sitting in his right mind. Look here in verse 15. It says, and sitting in the latter part of that verse, it says, sitting and clothed in his right mind. You know, part of the great need of, in our churches is for God's people to get a right mind concerning living for the Lord. We've heard so many messages and so many churches that they begin to let up on living for the Lord Jesus Christ and getting the gospel out. And, and it's just become country, a, a country club. It's just become another organization instead of really standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. What Christians need to do, we need to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to have the right 
excuse me, that might have, have the right mind concerning living for the Lord. We find over in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Notice what he says, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said, listen, make sure that you know Jesus Christ. It's going to change your life. He said, there's, there'll be a, transferring, uh, a transforming of your mind when you begin to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. This man was in his right mind. He began to look at things from the right perspective. Too many times today, Christians are looking at, at things from the wrong perspective. We need to get into the Word of God and get our minds right and in line with the Lord Jesus Christ. Get it in line with the Word of God and begin to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Get the right mind about things. The right mind about the Lord, the right mind about the things of God, the right mind about, about how to live for Him. David said this in Psalms 51 and verse 10. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So many Christians today need that renewing of their mind and their spirit and a, and a cleaning of their hearts so that we're not like the lost world, so that they can see the difference, so that there is a challenge to their life, so that they can see that the Lord loves us and they can see the change that has been made in our hearts and lives. We need a right mind about living for the Lord. We need a right mind about the Word of God and its part uh, in ruling our lives. We need a right mind about reaching the lost and the return of our Savior Jesus Christ. This man had a desire to be close to Jesus. There in verse 18, look at that with me. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. I can almost see this man as he gets into the ship with Jesus. He had come across to the Decapolis, Decapolis there and the Gadarenes was in a boat. And Jesus is now, because they've asked him to depart, he's now got back into the ship and this man gets back in the ship with him. He says he, he prayed to him. He said, let me be with you. Let me stay with you. He had a desire. I want to be with you. I don't. Can you imagine the change in his, in, in his life and, and how, he has, how he sees the change himself? Knowing what the Lord Jesus Christ did for him, he's thinking, I don't want to go back out on my own. I don't want to be away from the Lord. I don't want to, I want to be here with him. I want to follow him the rest of my life. I want to be with him all the time. That is my desire. Oh, Lord, would you let me go with you? Can I stay in the boat? Can I go across with you? Can I stay with you? And I think about Christians today that you can't hardly get them out, but maybe to one service a week and maybe not even that. How many times do we knock on doors and I've talked to people and, and invite them to church and they say, oh, I, I'm a member of such and such. I say, oh, well, who's your pastor? And I know who their pastor is. <laughs> and they say, oh, it's, um, oh, it's. I can't think of their name. And I think because you don't go. Me and a man several years ago, we was out door knocking on country roads, going down country roads and finding places and said, just in town. And so we started doing that. And we got talking. I remember standing at the fence and people standing there. We was having a good conversation. 
oh, I, I went like this. I said, who is your pastor? And I said, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, and John was standing next to me and he goes, And they couldn't tell me the name of the pastor. We got back in the truck and he looked at me and said, you know his name? I said, yeah, I know his name, but they don't know his name. <laughs> we went down to the next house and we was talking to him and everything. And, and uh, was at, and asked him, you know, they said, oh, I go to church. And it was the same church. And John looked at me and he goes, who's your pastor? <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's... Um, um, My friend, can I tell you that it's not about knowing the pastor's name. It's about knowing Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. If you know Jesus, you'll probably know your pastor's name. Because that means that you're probably going to be there. You're probably going to be listening to the preaching. You're probably going to be hearing the word of God. And so many times today, people have went away. No longer are they living for the Lord Jesus Christ like they ought to. The first, desi- the, the first desire in this man's heart and life was to be close to the, and near to Jesus Christ. That should be the desire of every born-again Christian. Have you ever had anything that you just couldn't get enough of it? Like homemade ice cream? I can almost eat that until it makes me sick. Uh, Sometimes when we, uh, my mom used to, to fry turkey breast for Thanksgiving or other occasions, and I could just eat the turkey breast and almost make myself sick on it. It was so good. You just couldn't get enough of it, you know, of this last piece. Well, just one more. And then one more. And finally you're going... You just can't get enough of it. Jesus Christ ought to be that way in your life and my life. You just can't get enough of him. You just got to have more. You just got to get closer. You just got to know him better. You just got to get a sweeter relationship with him. You just got to talk to him more. You just got to be closer to him all the time. The world doesn't understand that. But my friend, if, you, if you've ever drawn close to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not saying that, uh, that the people lost or don't have it, but I'm just telling you this. Hey, listen, if there's not a desire to get closer, there's something wrong in your Christian life. There ought to be that desire. His desire was to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, to be close to Him, to stay near to Him. It's not just being saved and going to heaven Hey, when you die, but you, you walk with the Lord daily, having that fellowship and companionship that's beyond explanation. There's something about it that you're sitting in your seat in a vehicle and you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you just start talking to the Lord. I say, preacher, you do that, don't you? It's just something about it when you see somebody that's going through a difficult time that you, you pray for them. There's been times that, I, and I know that this sounds crazy, I'll drive, I, they don't do it here, but when down south where I'm from, they had a marquee outside of the, outside of the funeral homes. And when somebody would pass away, they would put their name on there and the, and the date that they were born and the date that they died for that funeral. 
And I would drive by those many times and I would look at that and I would pray for that family and say, Lord, help them to feel your presence. Help them to, 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 Lord, just to feel your hand on their life at this very difficult time. And Lord, if they're not saved, would you draw them to you that they might get saved that time? And just having that fellowship and that conversation with him continually. Picking up the word of God and saying, Lord, would you show me something today and speak to my heart today? Wanting a closer fellowship and a, a closer walk with the Lord, that desire like that man had. Saying, Lord, I want to go with you. I want to be near you. I want your hand in my life and everything. I want to be pleasing to you. But you see, Jesus had a job for him to do. Look in verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. He suffered him not. You know what he said? I cannot imagine this man's countenance and heart. He's sitting in that boat with Jesus and he's looking up at the Lord and said, let me go with you. And Jesus looks at him and says, no, you can't go with me. And I can just imagine his heart sinking. And could I paraphrase here a little bit? I think Jesus said, because here's what I want you to do. I've got a job for you. I want you to go back home. I want you to go and, well, let me read it for you. He said, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. He said, go tell others. Let them see the change in your life. First, go to your home and let your family see it. And share with them what has happened in your life. Let them see your heart. Then go to your friends. Let everyone you see know what the Lord has done in your life. You see, Jesus has left you and me here for a purpose after we got saved. We have a job to do. I preached all that other just to get to here. We got a job to do. We need Christians to live in such a way that people see the change. That they might even ask about why there's been the change. And that we might tell them the, of the change that's taken place in our lives. In Matthew 28, when Jesus had come, before he ascended up into heaven, he told, he told the disciples, he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And that command is for you and I also. That this world might know our Savior. You know what needs to happen in Washington? I know, beside, don't go there. What needs to happen there is that Christians begin to witness to those in the Senate, the House, and all the other levels of government, praying for them, and living a life that makes a change. Letting them see what's real. You say, preacher, well, there's been Christians go there and don't. 
You just keep on. You just keep on going. Just because you're rejected, just because somebody don't like what you, uh, the change has been made in your life doesn't mean that you quit. It means you keep going. You see, the change wasn't made so that I could be popular. The change was made so that I could reach others. Too many Christians today think that they're going to be popular because the change has been made. My friend, no, people are afraid. People are disturbed. People don't know what to think. We must continue to live no matter whether we're accepted or not. We must live for Lord Jesus Christ. He told him to stay. Do the job that has been given to him. And that one day he would return. You say, preacher, I didn't see that in there. No, you got to look in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, this is what it says concerning the same thing. You can read all of it. I'm just going to read a portion of it here. In Luke chapter 8, verse 38, it says, Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And verse 40 says, And it came to pass... Otherwise, a little bit later, that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. See, what what does that mean, preacher? Because a bunch of them got saved because this gathering demonic went back and told them, did the job that Jesus sent sent him back to do. And so they were waiting for Jesus Christ to come back. And it says they gladly received him. Remember before they said, get out of here, depart from us. They were afraid. Now they were gladly receiving him because there had been a change in their life. This man did the job that he was supposed to do. You and I are to do the job that God has set us to do, and that is to reach the lost. God has many different ways and different avenues that he's going to use you and me to reach the lost. Nobody's necessarily the same. We're not all pastors. We're not all evangelists. We're not all missionaries. But we all are witnesses of Jesus Christ and what he's done. And every one of us he wants to use. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. I've seen little kids. I remember, and I've told about it before, crawling up on, on John Boer. Senior's lap and looking him in the eye and saying, John, I want to see you get saved. I don't want to see you go to hell. I don't want to see you die without Jesus Christ. That man up in years, tears rolling down his face because a little boy cried up, crawled up on his lap and told him about Jesus Christ got saved. John had told everybody else, I'm okay, I'm all right. I don't, I don't want to hear about it. And people witnessed to him and people talked to him. And that little boy that crawled up on his lap made all the difference in the world. Can I tell you what? God has a job for every one of us to get the gospel out, to reach the lost. You're not always going to be accepted. People are going to be afraid. People are going to be disturbed. There's going to be such a change if you allow the Lord. But my friend, there ought to be a desire for us to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and to be close to Him. And that in itself will make the change in your life and my life. There's a job to do. 
It says here, when he came, they were all waiting for him. Just think about it. Jesus Christ is getting ready to come. Oh, what a great thing it would be to have many who are waiting for him. Gladly waiting for him. Because they know him as Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. We have a job to do. This, this evening, listen. There should be a change in your life and my life. People ought to see the difference. That change should continue. It doesn't stop. He's still working continually in your life and my life, and we should allow him to do so. There should be that desire in our lives, just like this man, to be near him, to be close to him, to be close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can be. Let us walk in such a way that others can see Christ in us. There may be somebody here tonight that you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Oh, you may have religion. You may be part of a church. You might even be... Uh, been baptized or whatever, but you've never come to a place where you realize that you was a sinner and that you was lost and on your way to a devil's hell. You've been counting on your good works. You've been counting on being in church all your life. You've been counting on, on baptism. You've been counting on a lot of things, but you've never really received Jesus Christ as your Savior into your heart and life. Why don't you come tonight and let us take a Bible and show you how to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Oh, what a wonderful time to get saved. And Christian, every one of us, people I look at our lives and say, that's a Christian. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for your love and your mercy and goodness to us. I pray now that you would strengthen us to live for you. Bless now, Lord, in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?